It's the B-List Daily on Sports Time 780, live online around the world at SportsTimeMain.com. Aaron Morris filling in for Matty B again on this Thursday morning. Joined in studio by the coach, Mike Haley, who's in studio. You are in studio pretty much every Thursday, is that yeah, right? Yeah, I try to be, yeah. Hailstorm Thursday, is that what they That's call it? That's what they call it, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Coach Wing is out today. He's down in Connecticut, I believe, for a hockey tournament, and so it's uh, me and you, Coach, today. And yep. uh, he's gone down to see his daughter play in a series of games down there. Excellent. Yep. Maddie B feeling a little under the weather, so just to be safe, more safe than sorry. I'm in. I'm in house today, and we'll have a couple of guests via phone today. We'll have Seth Everett talking some Major League Baseball at ten ten. He's scheduled to call in, and then Dan Feldman. At 11.10 to talk pro basketball. But first things first, Coach, I want to know your thoughts on the very young baseball season so far, what you've noticed from uh, maybe your team, the Yankees, and in general. <laughs> well, uh, as far as the Yanks are concerned, uh, everybody's talking about uh, how powerful a, a lineup it is, and uh, I think they, uh, they gave you a preview of that the other day when they had uh, – uh, Three home runs yesterday, mm-hmm. and then the day before that, uh, their sluggers uh, went hitless or went homeless. Right. But Gregarious uh, had was four for four, three runs scored, eight RBIs, yep. and two home runs. That's amazing. So you know, talk, talk about taking up the slack. Yeah. I mean that's uh, that's. Uh, uh, a perfect picture of that. What do you think about Yankee fans booing Giancarlo Stanton? <laughs> well, you know, Yankee fans are Yankee fans. Yeah. They uh, they pay a lot of money to get in that park, and they uh, expect uh, people to produce, and especially with a guy like him who came with such such a hip-hip array, you know, and uh, so, and he took it well. He <laughs> said, yeah, I didn't perform well. He said, uh, that doesn't bother me if I get booed, if I don't do the job. And the next day he comes out and gets a home run. So, yeah, right. you know, it's going to be interesting to watch that all through the year. I think the uh, uh, the uh, bullpen's got to show that they are what they're uh, supposed to be. They haven't in the last couple of games. And uh, that's going to be a test, too. For sure. Right now, the Yankees 4-2, and two, one game back of the Boston Red Sox. I assume most fans listening to this are Red Sox fans. Home opener today, 2 o'clock at Fenway Park. David Price on the mound. The Red Sox at 5-1 and one on the season. Uh, they've won five in a row since dropping the opener. And even that opener, they probably should have won also. Their bullpen kind of blew it in that yeah. one. Yeah. But uh, what do you think about the Red Sox-Yankees? Uh, I know you're a Yankee guy, but what do you think about this uh, down the stretch or throughout the season who m- might emerge in the AL East there to win it? I think it'll be between Boston and New York. Yeah, I, I really do. But uh, uh, Toronto uh, is doing some interesting things at the beginning of the year. Baltimore's always a uh, because of Showalter. He's he's a great manager, and uh, you never know what they're going to do. But I think it's going to be Yanks and Red Sox. But who do you think is going to be? Emerging as the number one. <laughs> oh, do you think you you, you think I'm going to make a prediction? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, Go I, for it. <laughs> obviously, uh, I I'm hoping that the Yankees will take it all. I think they. I think it, it's going to be very close. 
think it might go like it has so many times before, go right down to the wire. Yeah, so Red Sox-Yankees off to good starts so far in the East. Toronto's at 4-3, and three. Baltimore and Tampa Bay struggling both at 1-5. and five. AL Central, Cleveland off to a rough start. They're only 2-4, and four, but they're probably still the favorites in that division. Minnesota at 3-2, and two. Chicago White Sox off to a decent start. At three and two, as Seth Everett is calling in right now, so we'll pause one second while I get him on the line, Coach. You can pontificate on anything you okay. want here as I get Seth on the line. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, I I noticed that the White Sox were were really hitting well. They've uh, they found some uh, uh, some power that they didn't have or didn't show before, and uh, uh, I I like to watch the Twins. Because uh, of Mauer, uh, he's uh, on a downhill part of his career, but he's gonna—he's still gonna give you some good, some good stuff. And All right, so we do have Seth Everett on the line right now, calling in to talk some Major League Baseball. Seth, can you hear me? How's it going over there? Hey, hey, what's going on? Thanks for having me. And not a problem. You're on the air on Sports Time 780 here in Maine. I'm Aaron Morris, Coach Mike Haley in studio as well, talking some Major League Baseball. We were just talking about this before you called in, but what were your thoughts on the Yankees and uh, the Giancarlo Stanton having the fans uh, booing him after his five-strikeout game there? Well, I hope Yankee fans are used to it because he's going to strike out a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, him and him and Aaron Judge together—they're uh, they're going to combine for a lot of strikeouts. Um, they're going to combine for know, a lot of home runs too, though. Yeah. <laughs> but but I thought I thought he had the right attitude. I mean, he, I didn't think it was a big deal. I I didn't read too much into it. I thought it was a you know a headline, and you know we live in this social media uh, hype, and, and and we try to put headlines around it. Um, I thought he had a great line afterwards uh, when he said. <laughs> That uh, D.D. Gregorius, who, by the way, I think is their best player on that team, mm. and he, he, he's their cleanup hitter. He had eight RBIs, and he says, he says, well, uh, he goes, D.D. sure cleaned up my mess. You know, like, <laughs> funny. I, 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 good, good, good response. And, and go on, and he homered yesterday, and I guess all is forgiven, and uh, you kind of move on from there. But, uh, you know, for, for the Yankees, it, the problem with this whole thing is, you know, once Stanton was acquired, it became a media sensation, and my attitude about it has always been: I, I just I'm not sold on them. Uh, yesterday, last year, they were lovable. They were such an upstart, young, up-and-coming team with a bunch of young kids, and now you slapped a three hundred million dollar guy in the middle of that clubhouse. And I, I just think it changes the mentality. It becomes more of a Hollywood team than 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 the young and up-and-coming team. And I, I'm waiting to see whether or not they're as likable. Well, I'm curious about your thoughts on the AL East race this year. Obviously, the Red Sox off to a good start. They're 5-1. and one. We're very excited about their home opener, of course, this afternoon. But sure. the Red Sox certainly do have holes in you know their lineup and in their bullpen perhaps as well. Uh, you think Red Sox, Yankees, are a dark horse there in the East? Yeah, but I, I picked the Red Sox. Okay. I mean, I, I stand on that. You know, I, I kind of simplified the thing. You know, with all this over-analysis, I try to simplify this. And this was right when J.D. Martinez eventually signed. And all I said was, are the Red Sox not going to score runs? Are we going to talk about this Red Sox team and say, man, if they could only get that offense going, they're going to score plenty of runs. And they have a far superior pitching staff than the Yankees do. Now, you could argue that their bullpen is suspect, and I do understand that. But they're one of the few teams that can get six and seven innings out of their starters. The Yankees are getting four and five innings out of their starters. 
eventually you have to take care of your bullpen. That's going to burn down. So uh, the reality of it is, is, again, you know, would I love a great race? I have no anti-bias against the, the Yankees. I wasn't a Joe Girardi fan. Aaron Boone seems like a nice fellow. I knew his dad, and I'll be honest, he was a lousy broadcaster. So I'm happy to see you know, what happened to Aaron Boone, and, and you know, I, I wish him nothing but success. I have, I have no prejudice, but if you're asking me to pick, I'll pick the Red Sox. It's interesting you bring up Aaron Boone because it's kind of amazing. Like he's never managed a game in his life before this season. Is I mean, you seem fairly confident in his abilities, though. Um, or not? Well, I know this. <laughs> um, I listen to him a lot, and yeah. then I stop listening to him. Right. And I found ways to to watch Sunday night games with the sound off because I I found his insights to be ridiculous. So I I don't know I I I, I don't know if that's enough to judge. You know, his dad uh, did a bunch of radio segments with me back when I was working for the commissioner's office. And, uh, you know, he has managing in his blood. You know what I mean? He, his, his, his father was a manager. His dad was a manager. And I, I think he knows what he's doing. Um, but I, don't, I, I just think that the 2018 manager, and this is a trend going on in baseball, that you're really bringing in a guy that's going to be a conduit from the front office. Yeah. And what is Aaron Boone? He's a good communicator. I mean, not a good broadcaster, but a good communicator. <laughs> and, and he's a guy who can relate because he's young enough. This is going to sound very psychological, but it's not meant to be. He's, he relates to millennials. Yeah. He understands Snapchat. He knows what Twitter is. He knows those things, and he can relate to younger players. And, you know, I've heard from, for example, Tori Lavella with the Diamondbacks and Craig Council with the Brewers, and that's the biggest strength that these guys have. It's that they take orders well. You know, everything's done by committee anyway. And so you're finding a guy that can relate well in the clubhouse and can be the right conduit. What about the analytics? Say that again? What about the analytics? Well, but the analytics are not just done by one guy. Right. That's where the manager role has been kind of diminished. I don't think you're going to see a Tony La Russa or a Jim Leland or a Buck Showalter you know, I, I think Buck Showalter's the last stalwart. Uh, Mike Sosha, <laughs> yeah. maybe. Yeah. But a lot of these guys are conduits from the front office with all the analytics that you're saying and the, yeah. the, the way they have made this game painfully slow. And I wrote a great article on Forbes about that. Um, but the one thing that you have to note, and, and this is from my standpoint, is what are you looking for from Alex Cora, Aaron Boone, Mickey Calloway, Martinez in, in Washington, uh, crazy Gabe Kapler in Philadelphia. <laughs> all, all these guys, crazy they Gabe all Kapler. do the same thing. They're all, they're all guys in their early forties, and they can connect to the young players. Yeah. I feel like a little bit that the personality of baseball is kind of be you know kind of getting driven out. I grew I grew, I grew up in Seattle with like Lou Pinella as the manager, getting tossed from games. Yeah. You know, being a you know a fiery personality, and I I, I just don't I, I think. Everyone's pretty bland now, and I don't know. What are your thoughts on that in terms of like the personality of the game? With you know, everyone, the manager's not really being allowed to maybe be what they used to in terms of you know using their intuition and everything. I didn't know you were a Seattle guy, and I covered the Mariners in the late '90s, and uh, Lou Pinella was a great mentor of mine. Um, Nice. And I have some classic Lupinella. I want to hear one. Yeah. Give me a Lupinella story that, that's friendly for radio. <laughs> but just to just to tell, real quick. Um, uh, but but just to answer your question, yeah. I just think that's a, that's a really lost art yeah. in, in this new sabermetric world in, in baseball. 
Um, I'll give you a quick one. Uh, one time, Jeff Facero, you remember Jeff Facero? I remember Jeff Facero. He's the only one who won he a playoff game in 1997. <laughs> six, strong in- six strong innings. This was 98. Okay. And um, my first year with the Mariners, and uh, Jeff Facero got pulled after six, but the bullpen blew it. Of course. And the, and the question uh, to Lou Pinella was, uh, why, why didn't you stick with Facero? Uh, he, he, was, he was pitching great. And uh, Lou Pinella looked at him because he could tell he was pissed, and he goes, well, me and Stan Williams got in a mean game of rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> and his paper covered my rock. Next question. <laughs> oh, Stan Williams. I forgot about him. That's right. He was the <laughs> pitching coach there for a couple of years. But. Yeah, I was, I was very lucky. I've worked for four teams, and I've covered four managers on a day-in, day-out basis. Don Baylor, Lou Pinella. Uh, Charlie Manuel and Terry Collins. Boy, oh boy. Four of the greatest individuals. Like I, I, that is pure luck. I have gotten some of the greatest managers to cover. Nice. So in terms of like the rest of the Major League Baseball getting out of the AL East a little bit, what are maybe a couple initial takeaways you've seen from you know six games or whatever? <laughs> well, um, I, I like what's going on in Miami. I like the two things that they're doing that's that are different. They're keeping the roof open. I think that's cool. <laughs> and uh, they're doing actual uh, turnstiles as opposed to tickets sold. So they're, they're putting in their box scores the fact that nobody's in the ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor I, Miami. Uh, what a mess. I thought that was really, really fascinating. <laughs> I have a, a, a podcast that I'm trying to do with Don Mattingly today, and uh, I, I have to ask that question. Uh, the other one is uh, my, my other friend, uh, Crazy Gabe Kapler. Um, well, you know, 10 years ago when I was on uh, MLB radio, when I was working for the commissioner's office, uh, Gabe Kapler was uh, like a weekly, like a, sh- like a segment that we did. And literally, we would literally walk into the studio and say, I, I wonder what he's going to say next. Like, we never, we never knew what he was going to say next. And now he's a manager. And I can say that that is a press conference that I look forward to. And I am going to find on the Internet as many Gabe Kapler press conferences because you will go into a Gabe Kapler press conference and go, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> Crazy Gabe Kapler. That's hilarious. Yeah, tough start for the Phillies are 1-4, and four, but, I mean, that's obviously – they got some young talent there, so we'll Ew. see uh, how that turns yeah, out. They're, right they're on the way – I think they're on the way up, but, uh, you know, they're not there yet. Yeah, for sure. Well, I know you gotta go. Uh, you got to go. You're a busy man. You got – Podcast Don Manley, everything else going on. So, uh, Seth Everett, thanks so much for calling in today. Well, thanks for having me, and uh, I'll be up in Portland in, I believe it's July. Oh, nice. So we'll have to get together. All right, there you go. Seth Everett, thanks again. I love that Lou Pinella story he had. Yeah, that's great. That's funny. That's, that's, that is classic uh, Lou Pinella right there for sure. Well, <laughs> Stump Merrill can tell you a few Lou Pinella stories from the Yankee days. Oh yeah, Sump was uh, <laughs> Sump was his first race coach. Nice, and uh, I can remember one they they that he told me. He said uh, they both lived in New Jersey, so they had a, a night game followed by a day game, mm-hmm. which is probably the stupidest way to schedule <laughs> games. But and uh, they both uh, decided that they would sleep in the clubhouse instead of going home. Stump and Lou, yeah, both yeah. of them, yeah, yeah, and. Uh, so they uh, they uh, uh, had to wait for the uh, clubhouse setup to get their breakfast, and and Stump said that uh, uh, Lou's pretty growly when he wakes up in the morning. I bet, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, not probably not a morning guy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I know you brought trivia, yeah, and I want I want a few questions here. 
before we go to break. Okay. Uh, I'm going to save my my home run stuff okay. for, for you because, uh, <laughs> no, but I got some. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I heard you talking hockey before we went on the air. <laughs> I don't know anything so, about uh, hockey. <laughs> you're not Mr. Hockey? I'm, no, like I'm not Davis? Mr. Hockey. I won't know a, a single hockey trivia question, okay. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and how about basketball? How about? I, I might be able to get some basketball. Okay. Yeah. Do you, you have any idea? When the three-point line was added, they add that in the seventies at some point. Oh no! Before that or after? After. Eighty-four. Ninety-six. The yeah. three-point line? Yeah. That's not true in the NBA. How far is the three? How far? <laughs> not added in 1996. How deep is it? <laughs> it's um, it's about about a uh, twenty-six feet. No. That, that's look the, it up. All right, I'm looking it up. I know you would anyway. <laughs> 23 feet, 9 inches in the NBA. Yeah, how far in college? 20 feet, 9 inches, so 3 feet fewer. In, yeah, in, in and how college. how long was that? When, when was it added in college? All right, well, I'm looking at the history of it right now because oh, okay. you told me it was 1996 <laughs> in the NBA, but I'm pretty sure, yeah, it was like the late 70s. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Um, I don't know where it says here, but um, the NBA has discussed adding a four-point line. Well, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. They've already widened the. Oh, the you know air. what happened in '95? They tried to shorten the distance of the line to 22 feet uh, around the basket, but then. Yeah. They reverted it back to its original distance in 97. I did not realize that. So, like, for three seasons, the NBA used a, a three-point line that was not as far as it currently is. 99, was, wasn't it? It says here, 94, 95, 96, or the 94, 95 season, 95, 96 season, and the 96, 97 season, they attempted to address de- decreased scoring by shortening the distance of the line from 23 feet 9 inches uh, to a uniform 22 feet around the yeah. basket. yeah. And then they in ninety seven ninety eight they reverted it back to the original distance of twenty three feet uh, nine inches. Um, but I'm trying to see when the NBA first established the, the line in general because I think it was yeah yeah so ninety seventy nine and eighty nineteen seventy nine nineteen eighty is when they adopted it for for real. They I guess they tested it the previous year seventy nine and eighty. Huh? And that's what it says on Wikipedia. Oh uh, well, it gotta be right. <laughs> well, because it was um, they got it from the ABA. Right, the ABA yeah, did it ABA initially, did it and the NBA stole it. Um, so it was first tested at the collegiate level in 1945. Yeah. It was not kept as a rule. Columbia and Fordham they tested it back we, in 45. Would you know that uh, for a, for a uh, short time, the one game I think it was Minneapolis versus uh, uh, the Bucks. Mm-hmm. They raised the basket. Twelve feet, because of Kareem. Uh, no, because of <laughs> because of Mikan, George Mikan. Oh, right, right, yeah. Uh, and he still got thirty points in that I'm game. I'm sure he did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He he was pretty unstoppable for his day. Okay, uh, we're talking about strikeouts. Okay, we've talked a lot about home runs, but we talked about strikeouts. All right. You know how many times DiMaggio struck out in in a season? One season was his best. How many strikeouts did he have? 
the fewest. Like fewest. Um, I think he struck out like eight times or something. Went through one season, one strikeout. One strikeout. Can I check that? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what season that was. I, I believe it because DiMaggio was such a great contact hitter, and it's not like yeah. it's a totally different game back then. Also, Joe DiMaggio, not Dom. Um, let's see, strikeouts. <laughs> what you? I, I, you know where to look. He only struck out thirteen times in nineteen forty-one. Yeah, but I don't see a one. <laughs> Unless I'm missing something. But he certainly had some years. He walked 76 times and only struck out 13 times in 41. That was the year where he hit in 56 consecutive games, uh, was an all-star, won the MVP. Ted Williams hit 400. How about year. all-star games? All-star games. How many all-star games did he make? No, how many times? How, look at his all-star record and see if there were any times where he struck out just once in the whole I'm not the All-Stars of the World Series. Oh, the postseason? Oh, yeah. oh okay. Um, hold on. Postseason batting. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of times. Yeah. So, like, in 1938, World Series, they won. He only struck out once in uh, 16 plate appearances. 39, they also won the World Series. He won uh, quite a few World Series. In oh, fact, I, know, I know he did. He was, he was on five or six, wasn't he? It says, wow, it says here he won... Yeah, I guess it makes sense. He won nine World Series. Wow. Because the only time they lost was in 42. So the 10 World Series it was in, the Yankees won nine of them. 1936, 1937, 1938, 1939, 1941. Yeah. 1942, they lost. Then they went back in 47 and won. And then they started their run of, of uh, five in a row in 49. How about, how, 15, all right, how about Yogi Berra? Yogi had even more. I think Yogi won like 12 oh, World yeah. Series. He, he did. Yeah, yeah, he's like the um, all-time leader in World Series rings. Cause yeah, and, and he's the all-time leader in a lot of World Series records, too. Um, yeah. He, uh, he, he ranks right up there in home runs, ranks up there in uh, extra base hits, uh, times a bat. So Yogi won it in 47, and then they started their run of five in a row, so 49, 50, 51, 52, yeah. 53. So that's six World Series. He won it again in 56, won it again in 58. So he actually, he won 10. He was in 14, though. <laughs> they did lose in 57 to Milwaukee, 60, of course, to the Pirates, 63 to the um, Dodgers. So You know who he replaced? I think he replaced replace Bill Dickey. Yeah. Yeah. And then Bill Dickey became a coach. Oh. <laughs> and then his manager oh, for okay. a year or two. Yeah. And then Yogi managed. Yeah. I know Yogi managed oh, yeah. for a while, yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do uh, you remember who Pete Maravich was? Pistol Pete Maravich. Yeah. Did you see the uh, thing they had on uh, uh, Sports Center about him? No, I didn't see it. Oh, yeah. Do you, do you know what his dad's name was? Pete Maravich. I don't know. Press. Press Maravich? Press Maravich. <laughs> and he coached at three colleges, four colleges. You know who, what, what any of them were? Press Maravich? I have no idea. Where did he coach? Coached his son. Oh, LSU? LSU. Okay. 
Before that, Clemson, North Carolina State. Then he went to LSU. And uh, at LSU, that's when he coached his son. Uh, Pete was Pete Maravich was how many times was he an All American? I'm sure he was like a three time All American. Yeah, yeah, he was. And uh, how many times did he score fifty points? A lot. Twelve. Twenty eight. Twenty eight. <laughs> you imagine that? And that's that. without a three point. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what he averaged per game, points per game? 30. 40. 42 points per game. He averaged 42 points per game. My dad my dad went to Tulane, and so they would play LSU. And so my dad went to Tulane around the time Maravich was there yeah. at LSU, and he said Maravich is the best basketball player he's oh, ever seen. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> Behind the back, between the legs, the no-look pass, before anybody else did it. Right, right. I mean, even, even Kuzi was... Not as slick as, yeah. as uh, Maravich was. <laughs> okay, uh, do you know who Maravich played for in the pros? I should. I really should know this. Yes, you should. I... <laughs> I'm surprised you don't know this I don't, one. I know about his college exploits. I know he was a good, great NBA player, too. I'm totally blanking on this. Did he play for... Played four years for the Atlanta Hawks. Atlanta Hawks, okay. You know how much money he got to sign? $30,000. One point five million bucks he made. I, he uh, as a bonus? No. Oh, I sorry. Mean, yeah. I, mean, no, <laughs> I thought you were asking. Where, where did he bonus. end up? What was his last last game? Last team he played for? He never played for the Celtics, did he? No, no I didn't think so. Um, team named the Jazz, but they weren't. Oh, in, New Orleans Jazz. Yeah. Okay. New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because the Utah Jazz is kind of a funny name because they relocated from New yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> to Utah, but kept but kept, kept jazz. the name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no jazz in Utah as far as I'm aware. <laughs> yeah, boy, I'll tell you, he this guy had some unbelievable uh, stats, unbelievable facts about him. He uh, he. Uh, uh, just had uh, 44, 44.2 was his three-year average mm-hmm. points per game. Yeah. No three-point line. What was his highest score in one game? In the NBA? No, in college. Oh, in college? I mean, I'm sure he put up 60-plus. 60 69. 60, oh, okay. Yeah. And he got 66 twice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, think about that back in those days. With no three-point no line. No three-point line. Yeah. And uh, he wasn't a, a a LeBron James built. I right. Mean, he, he wasn't was slender. Dunking very the ball slender. or anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really something to to go back and learn about somebody like that. Yeah. And he and he didn't get a lot of, he didn't have a lot of, a lot of press. I mean, right now you don't hear about him. But well, he yeah. he died. He passed away. Yeah. Yeah. He's an alcoholic. Yeah. And uh, uh, two-time All-Star in the NBA. I mean, what do you hear about him? Nothing. You know. And that's why they did that article on him. They, they did one of those Sports Center. Yeah. Movies or little clips. Thirty for thirty. Or? Yeah. yeah. No. The oh. other one. The other thing they do. Okay. Yeah. No. That that was really interesting for me. I. 
Did you I ever? Did you ever see him play? I saw him play. You saw, saw him play. Yeah, I saw him play. Uh, uh, yeah, they were just that in television. You know, coverage. A lot of coverage. I yeah. mean, like in person, though. Did you? No. Ever? Oh no. No. Okay. Yeah. I wish I had. Yeah. He has two sons. Oh yeah. And one of them played in college. He uh, uh, one played at LSU, and another played. Or an NAIA school. Oh, okay, yeah. And uh, he averaged 40-plus a game, that guy, <laughs> Jason. But he's haunted by his father's mm. because anybody that knew Pete Maravich, and they know his name is Maravich. Right. Now it's, oops, hey, you must blah, blah, blah. You're not as good as that, 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 you know. Right. You know yeah. how the comparisons go. Well, can you imagine being Michael Jordan's kids? Oh, right. No. <laughs> like, how do you yeah, get? Why would you even want to play basketball? Boy, oh, boy. <laughs> Hey, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more of Hailstorm Thursday in just a moment. This is Sports Time 780 and SportsTimeMaine.com. When it comes to sports teams in New England. And now there's a new winning team to add to the list. Spectrum Orthopedics, an all-star roster of orthopedic experts delivering top care right here in your backyard. Spectrum Orthopedics is made up of three of the area's top orthopedic practices. OA Centers for Orthopedics, Central Maine Orthopedics, and Falmouth Orthopedic Center. Spectrum Orthopedics makes it easier for physicians, surgeons, sports medicine specialists, and clinical staff to share resources and work as one, making patient care efficient and more affordable. To learn more about Spectrum Orthopedics and connect with a provider in your area, visit SpectrumHCP.com forward slash ortho. We believe in better, a better way to invest, a better way to serve you, and a better result. At Frisbee and Associates, we can help you determine how much risk you're taking, red flags that could be potential problems for you, how much you're paying in fees and commissions, potential tax liability, and how to address Social Security. For your free consultation, call Kevin Frisbee at 241-7430. Frisbee and Associates is located in Rumford, Brewer, and in Lewiston at 656 Main Street. Call 241-7430 online at frisbeebenefits.com. All aboard MBR.org. The place to get all your high school and amateur sports news and information. MBR.org is in high gear with Maine High School Winter Sports. Go to MBR.org to chat about your favorite team. Find the latest articles, travel news, and cancellations. Or visit their all new and very popular team pages. MBR.org has everything you want to know about high school and amateur sports in Maine. Coming in February, all the high school tournament action at your fingertips 24-7. It's high school sports heaven. All aboard MBR.org. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Paraswabs risk-free, call 1-800-679-0969. 
That's 1-800-679-0969. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 1-800-679-0969. That's 1-800-679-0969. El IRS ha contratado agencias privadas para comenzar a cobrar impuestos pendientes. Ya pueden embargar su salario e imponer gravámenes a su propiedad. Si se está ahogando en deudas de impuestos, prepárese para una línea directa de ayuda. Civic Tax puede protegerlo de las agencias de cobro del IRS. Detenga las tarifas adicionales y embargos salariales. Libérese del IRS. Llame ahora a Civic Tax Relief para obtener información gratis. Usted podría calificar para el programa Fresh Start que ahora está disponible a través de Civic Tax Relief. Podría ahorrar miles si le perdonan sus impuestos. La línea directa especial para ayuda con los impuestos de Civic Tax Relief puede ayudarle a descubrir todos los programas de ayuda. Usted califica gratis. Solo tiene que llamar al 800-583-1931. 800-583-1931. No espere. La consulta es gratis. La información es gratis. Esta llamada podría ahorrarle miles. Llame ahora al 800-583-1931. 800-583-1931. If you owe the IRS back taxes, payroll taxes, or have not filed your returns, the IRS will get you. Call Wallen Associates now and pay less than you owe. 800-727-0433. That's 800-727-0433. See something? Smell something? Do something. When your basement or crawl space smells, don't ignore it. Odors, mold, and harmful pollutants come from too much moisture and not enough air circulation making your home unhealthy. Do something. Call Wave Home Solutions today at 1-888-980-WAVE or go to goodairusa.com. Experts recommend ventilation instead of dehumidifiers to reduce moisture and expel harmful gases and pollutants. Wave moisture control units continuously dry out your home, transforming it into a fresher, healthier environment year-round. Wave units cost only pennies a day to operate, and there are no buckets too empty. Call WAVE today at 1-888-980-WAVE or go to goodairusa.com. That's goodairusa.com or call 1-888-980-WAVE. WAVE Home Solutions for a healthy, comfortable home. It's a hailstorm Thursday, although it's sunny skies outside. <laughs> Coach Haley in studio with us. My name's Aaron Morse, filling in for Maddie B here on B-List Daily. I believe Maddie will be back tomorrow as we wrap up the week, but Coach Haley, I'm very excited because I understand you brought Seattle Mariners trivia questions with oh, you I today. Did. Oh, boy. Let's, let's, let's got, hear some. I got a couple before we get into the Mariners. Uh-huh. Okay. In 1920, Seattle had a professional hockey game. Yeah, they won the Stanley Cup. Who were they? What was the Seattle what? Weren't they like the Seattle... um... (laughs) No, hold on, hold on. I remember this team. Seattle... Was it Chinooks? No. Seattle... Begins with M. They went the Mariners. Uh, (laughs) Seattle, they won the Stanley Cup. I know this team. I don't... I should know. Metropolitan. That's right. That's (laughs) right. That's right. I do that. They won the Stanley Cup. You know who they beat? No. (laughs) They beat... A Montreal, Montreal Canadiens? No, no, Montreal. Remember, nineteen twenty. Yeah, a long time ago. Maroons. Okay, Montreal, Montreal Seattle Maroons. Metropolitans defeated the Montreal Maroons. Yeah, the Stanley Cup. Okay, <laughs> who were the Mariners before they were the Mariners? Well, they were an expansion team. 
There was a Seattle Pilots, but they moved right, to Milwaukee and became the Brewers. Okay, and the looking, Mariners were an expansion team. I was looking for Pilots. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Ishiro. Yeah. Yes. Ishiro. Yeah. You know that name? Oh, yeah. How old is he? He is 44? Yeah. yeah. 44. Yeah. Where does he train? Japan. Where? Um, he, um, um, Kobe? Yep. Yeah. And where, and what, what about his wife? What about his wife? <laughs> does she go with him during the training? No, she's not there when he trains. Where does, where does she live? In Seattle. Yeah, she stays in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. You, Now this, people have got to realize, this is Ishiro. Yeah. This is a Japanese person. Yeah. And a lot of customs here. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, during the winter. Mm-hmm. His training regime, regimen. Yeah. What does what does it what's it made up of? Well, I think he leaves his hotel every day at like ten forty five a.m. on the dot on the dot, and then he goes to like this. He rents out a stadium, rents rents a ballpark. Yeah, and he goes to the ballpark, and he has a bunch of like his friends there, yep. like ordinary people, yep. and they help him train, and he. He takes the same number of swings every day. Same. I don't. I don't know. I read this article that you're. Oh, you did. To. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Then, then I got. Then, then let's see if you really read it. Uh huh. Where does he keep his bats? Well, oh shoot. Where does he keep his bat? I mean, at the ballpark that he rents out, right? Like, where, where does he keep his bat? In the something different about this. I'm trying to remember. I don't remember where. Keeps him in a custom humidifier. Okay. Oh, humidifier. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay, who has he played for National in the uh, um, Major League Baseball? Oh, okay. Well, he started his career with Seattle, then he went to the Yankees, then he went to the Marlins. Now he's back in Seattle. And he also played in Japan for the Oryx Blue Wave, uh, Buffaloes. Buffalo. Oh, they must have changed their name. Yeah. yeah, they were Oryx. Yeah. Okay, if you read the article, yeah. Bushido. Hmm? What is that, Bushido? B U S H I D O. I mean, I read the article, but I don't. Code remember. of Honor for the, oh, sam- okay. for the Samurais. That's what he follows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Suffering leads the way to greatness. Yep. He's, and he, likes he to suffer. suffers. Yeah, <laughs> he does. Yeah. I'm reading that article about what he, the what he goes through every day. Yeah. Okay. Can you name some of the things he does at the ballpark before he starts hitting? Before he starts hitting, well, I know he obviously he does his stretches. Yeah. Um, I believe he jogs around the ballpark yeah. three or four times. Yeah. Four. Four times. Yeah, it's not a heavy workout, but I know he also does like um, soft toss. But I mean, yeah, fifty. Yeah, 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 fifty. Exactly fifty. Right. Yeah. Um, and runs the bases. Or runs the bases. Okay. Yeah. And then he bats in the batting cage. Yep. And then he comes out and hits in the field. Yeah. Hits in the field. How, did you read the? Did you pick up on the uh, part about the Yankee clubhouse attendant? Yeah. So, oh yeah, because they had, that was really good. They'd cleaned his locker or something, and he yeah. noticed that like they moved his bat. They moved his bat slightly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, and so, what happened after that? They never cleaned his locker. They never cleaned his locker yeah. until. Until uh, he changed up, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then he then he cleaned it, right? <laughs> okay, how many hits does he did he have going into the season? In in Major League Baseball, huh. he had three thousand and like oh, th- like eighty three thousand, a little over three thousand. 
Not a lot more. How many triples? <laughs> How this many? is big in triples, though. I mean, you think of this. Yeah, he probably has like... 79. 70, okay. That's that's a lot. How many stolen bases? 300-something, probably. 438. 430, okay, more than I thought. What was his batting average? Oh, is he like 312? Yeah. Yeah. 322. 322, okay. Yeah. So, uh, uh, what was the driving force behind... All of this training and all of this. Well, his father, when he was young, uh, started him on all this training. Now they hate each other and they never talk. Yep, they but yep. he still is like influenced by the training he went through as a kid, and so he can't help himself. He still does yep. it. Yeah, yeah. So that was a really interesting article. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ichiro's a fascinating guy. He's still playing. Guy. Yeah, he's still, he robbed a home run. He, do, he, he did. robbed a home run on opening day. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. He, he, no, I mean, uh, <laughs> he still can play because he can run 44 years old. Yeah. He uh, wants to play till he's 50. Oh, boy. He's like the Japanese Tom Brady or something. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's let's uh, talk about some one-two punches for different teams. Uh-huh. Uh, twins. Who's their one-two punch? Yeah. I mean, they have Sano and Dozier. Dozier and... Buxton's good too. Oh, well. oh, Mauer. Oh, he's sure. pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, how about the Angels? Well, you could argue Trout and Otani at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah, no kidding. Otani hit another home run the other he's day. Going to be another. I'm so excited. He's pitching and hitting. I know. Unbelievable. Babe Ruth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about is Pujols? Oh, Pujols. Sure. Yeah. yeah, he's old, but he's still hanging in there. How about the Cubs? The Cubs have, well, they have Chris Bryant. They have... Um, Somebody plays first base? Yeah, Anthony Rizzo. Uh-huh. They have uh, they have a bunch of guys who are really good. <laughs> Both the Yanks. Aaron Going Judge, into the Aaron, season. Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge. Yeah. yeah. But there'll be some Sanchez and, and Sanchez, Gregorius. Gregorius. Too bad. Yeah, yeah, those two guys are there. there. <laughs> uh, do you know who uh, Amy Alcott is? Amy Alcott. No, I don't. Who's Amy Alcott? A woman. Yes. <laughs> Involved in baseball somehow? No. Oh. LPGA. Oh, well, you went way off the <laughs> we're talking baseball. <laughs> no, I don't know who Amy Alcott is. Oh, I didn't is. tell you. Yeah. We're shifting gears. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so, let's see. Uh, then we're jumping around to basketball. Uh-huh. Who was the first time, who was the first coach that was a rookie coach? In the NCAA to win the title. Was it Kevin Ollie? He was a. Oh, um, I if I know. gave you the name of the team, you'd know for sure. <laughs> he was a rookie when they won it? Fab Four. Oh, Fab Five? Fab Five. Oh, um, well, he didn't win the Fab Five, but he won it like with an 89. It was Steve. Um, what's his name? He's coach of San Diego State now. Fisher. Steve Fisher. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. How, how long did he. Lie? How long did he last at Michigan after that? After 89? He was there for like three or four more years, I think. And where'd he go? I think he... I think he's still there. Was well, it San Diego State now? Yeah. 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 I think he's still there. Uh, first Sunday night game. NBA, NBA, MLB. First Sunday night game. What was it? Who played in it? 
The what first, year was it? What, first night game in general or Sunday night? 1994, first Sunday night You're talking game. about like ESPN Sunday Night Baseball, like that huh. brand? Oh, okay. Probably Yankees, Red Sox. No. That's a rival, rival uh, game, though. Cards. Cards, of the, Cubs. Of the Reds. Oh, Cards, Reds. Yeah. Okay. Cards beat them 6-4. Six, six, <laughs> Talked about the Utah Jazz yeah. Before. <laughs> in 2002, they were the NBA winning seasons leader. Winning, straight winning Lakers. seasons. Utah Jazz. Oh, the Jazz were. 17 straight. Oh, in, in a row, you mean. 17 oh, I straight. See. I see. Yeah, with yeah. Uh, Stockton and Malone <laughs> for many years. Okay, just a minute now. You've gone over the board, but okay. Who's the? In what year did the first woman sign with an all-male baseball team? Well, there was, well, not like, and not Babe Zarius. No, like nineteen thirty or something, right? Nineteen thirty. Uh, she struck out Babe Ruth. I think nineteen thirty-one. Okay, Vern V I R N E Vern Mitchell. 17 years old. Yeah. Chattanooga of Tennessee was the, was the team she signed with. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, her nickname was Jackie. Yeah, she was the one who struck out uh, Ruth and uh, yep. Garrig in a game. Yeah. Exhibition game. Yeah. Who else from Maine struck out Babe Ruth? Who else from Maine? From Maine. A man. Car- was Carl Hubble from, ba- from Maine? Nope. Um, I have no idea. Fitzpatrick of the Fitzpatrick Football Award. Oh, he uh, Yankees were barnstorming, and uh, they played they uh, they, they played a uh, team here in Maine. Fitzy struck him out. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's quite a feat. Right yeah, for sure. Have on your on your resume. <laughs> okay, when was the first strike in Major League Baseball? Uh well, the first one was eighty one, right? What? 1981, they went on strike. Before that. Oh, before that? Well, it wouldn't have stopped. 12 12 days. Oh, the 12-day strike. Sometime in the 70s? 72. 72, okay. They lost 86 games. That's kind of, uh, that was how many games that were not played during that 12 days. Oh, I see, total. Yeah, Yeah, I got you. Total. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was the baseball commissioner in 1989? Oh, that was Faye Vincent. Before. Oh, Bart Giamatti. Yep. Okay. Bart Giamatti. Yep. I figured you'd have that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, how many Final Fours did Duke go before winning a title? Ooh. I'm going to say zero. Because I thought they won it the first time they went with Coach K. No, they went uh, uh, five. <laughs> Eight. Eight, okay. <laughs> Eight Final Fours without a title. And then they finally got it. And they finally beat, who did they beat? Didn't they beat UNLV? Yep. Yep. 103 to 73. And, and you- that was the first time that what happened? 103 to 73. That... Someone scored over 100 points in the 
final? Yep. Okay. First 100 points yeah. in a title game. Yeah, that's quite a bit for college basketball. And uh, 30 point, the 30-point margin was the most at that time for NCAA records. Yeah, it was a big upset, too. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who was coaching for UNLV then? Jerry Tarkini. Yeah, the old towel <laughs> yeah, right. in the mouth. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, in 2007, mm-hmm. who won their seventh? What coach won their seventh national title? Oh, okay. So 2007 national champions. Um, yeah. And it was his seventh national title? Could have been a woman, too, you know. Oh, so Gio Oriema or Pat Summit? Pat Summit. Pat Summit, okay. Yeah. yeah. She won Tennessee. Beat Rutgers, 54-46. That's not too many points. No, in. that's a defensive struggle right there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, who's Danny Manning? Legendary Kansas basketball player. Okay. Yeah. Who, uh, what, what did he, what did he do in 1988? Lead them to the national title? <laughs> to their first. Second. Second. Oh, okay. And second. do you know who they beat? In 88? Did they beat Duke? Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, North Carolina? Sooners. Oklahoma, wow. Okay. 83-79. Happen to know how many he got in that game? 30. 31. 31, okay. <laughs> with 18 rebounds. With 18 rebounds. <laughs> not a bad day. No, not, not at all. <laughs> you know Mario Andretti? Race car driver. What did he, what did he do in... Uh, 1993. Win the Indy 500? For? For Team Andretti. <laughs> oh, for the first time? No. He for, was the oldest, oh, he's the oldest driver to win. Oh, wow. And the first to win in four different decades. decades. Wow. Yeah. Imagine that. That's crazy. Driving that long? Yeah. <laughs> and that at that level? Yeah. That's crazy. Okay, uh, Henry Aaron hit his 714th home run against who? Ah, uh, would have been his four, 714th home run? Hold on. It wasn't at home. Oh, it wasn't. Oh. It was on the road. I don't know. I don't know who he hit against. Reds. Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, at Cincinnati, okay. 74. That's not. That's a pretty good record right there. Go that long. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the first to hit three home runs on opening days. You know. You know when that happened. What year? Probably. I mean, on opening, like first, the first individual player to hit three home runs on opening day. For, or who? Who? Who did it? Who did it? Um, probably Babe Ruth. <laughs> 1998 1988 that was the first time that three home runs had been hit on opening day three Kirk home Kirk. runs by the team by the team? yeah Ace. 1988 Oakland A's? Toronto Toronto hit five against uh, Kansas uh, I'm sorry 
Can't even can't read my own writing. <laughs> here. I I can't believe no one hit no team hit three home runs on opening day until 1988. Oh, in all of baseball history, that'd be that's well. This year I saw um, there were two teams that hit it well, at least. Oh yeah. Well, this year I saw that it was the first time ever a game started with back-to-back home runs and ended with back-to-back home runs. The Cardinals-Brewers game, really? the Cardinals hit back-to-back home runs to start the game, and then the Brewers hit back-to-back <laughs> home runs to, to win the, the game, game in the bottom of the ninth. Yeah, it's the first time that's ever happened in Major League Baseball history, which is, I guess that makes sense. I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible feat for Think that to happen. It. Yeah. <laughs> when was the first opening day in Mexico? Well, like for the Mexican League, or like no. the Major League Baseball play- last year? Didn't they play it, or two years ago, or something? Just a few years ago, nineteen ninety. Oh, in the nineties. Oh, ninety-nine. Okay. You know who it was? <laughs> who were the two teams that played there? Probably like San Diego played somebody. Oh, Rockies or? and Cubs. Well, that's random. <laughs> yeah, it is random. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Uh, who was the first? The fourth. Pitcher to have no hitters in both leagues. The fourth? Fourth pitcher. Uh, no hitters in both leagues. You should know that. Nolan Ryan? Randy Johnson? After, after, after. After Randy Johnson? Pedro? No. Um, what is it? I don't know. Pitch for the Dodgers? Okay. And Boston. Oh, Hideo Nomo. Yeah. yeah that's right. I told you you should know that's it. That's right. Hideo yep. Nomo. Yep. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jean Rotel. Don't know. No. Don't want to go hockey? No. That's, okay. that, is, that sounds like hockey to me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Then I won't even go I back. don't know who that is. Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> Dave, wherever he is, is... Give me the answer right now. I know <laughs> he would know. Oh yeah, he would. Yeah. Okay. Remember, I said they tried the basket at twelve feet. Yeah. Nineteen fifty-four. Mm-hmm. The year they did that. Mm. Okay. Who's Austin Carr? Austin Carr, huh? wide receiver. Oh. Oh. There's an Austin Carr played for Northwestern Patriots. Plays. Basketball? Four. I have no idea. I don't know who Austin Carr is for basketball. Notre Dame. Okay. And how many points did he get? He set a NCAA record for for most points by a player in the game. 1970. I'm sure it's been broken by then, right? Um, 50? 61. 61. 1970. Then Pistol Pete probably broke that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, when did New Orleans, speaking about Pistol Pete, mm-hmm. when did they come into the NBA? The Jazz? Um, probably sometime in the 50s. Oh, yeah. Remember, they were an expansion team. So, 70s. 74. 74, okay. Yeah. When did they move to Utah? Don't know. Eh, I have to look that up. <laughs> I think it's uh, see, probably right up. Well, not that in eighty, nineteen eighty, maybe. New Orleans Jazz. Well, I'm gonna look that up, and we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we will be talking NBA. Dan Feldman, ProBasketballTalk.com, calling in at eleven ten. 
That's coming up next. This is the B-List Daily on Sports Time 780 and SportsTimeMaine.com. There's a winning culture when it comes to sports teams in New England. And now there's a new winning team to add to the list. Spectrum Orthopedics, an all-star roster of orthopedic experts delivering top care right here in your backyard. Spectrum Orthopedics is made up of three of the area's top orthopedic practices. OA Centers for Orthopedics, Central Maine Orthopedics, and Falmouth Orthopedic Center. Spectrum Orthopedics makes it easier for physicians, surgeons, sports medicine specialists, and clinical staff to share resources and work as one, making patient care efficient and more affordable. To learn more about Spectrum Orthopedics and connect with a provider in your area, visit SpectrumHCP.com forward slash ortho. We believe in better, a better way to invest, a better way to serve you, and a better result. At Frisbee & Associates, we can help you determine how much risk you're taking, red flags that could be potential problems for you, how much you're paying in fees and commissions, potential tax liability, and how to address Social Security. For your free consultation, call Kevin Frisbee at 241-7430. Frisbee & Associates is located in Rumford, Brewer, and in Lewiston at 656 Main Street. Call 241-7430 online at frisbeebenefits.com. All aboard MBR.org! The place to get all your high school and amateur sports news and information. MBR.org is in high gear with Maine High School Winter Sports. Go to MBR.org to chat about your favorite team. Find the latest articles, travel news, and cancellations. Or visit their all new and very popular team pages. MBR.org has everything you want to know about high school and amateur sports in Maine. Coming in February, all the high school tournament action at your fingertips 24-7. It's high school sports heaven. All aboard MBR.org! Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. To Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Paraswabs risk-free, call 1-800-679-0969. That's 1-800-679-0969. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 1-800-679-0969. That's 1-800-679-0969. El IRS ha contratado agencias privadas para comenzar a cobrar impuestos pendientes. Ya pueden embargar su salario e imponer gravámenes a su propiedad. Si se está ahogando en deudas de impuestos, prepárese para una línea directa de ayuda. Civic Tax puede protegerlo de las agencias de cobro del IRS. Detenga las tarifas adicionales y embargos salariales. Libérese del IRS. Llame ahora a Civic Tax Relief para obtener información gratis. Usted podría calificar para el programa Fresh Start, que ahora está disponible a través de Civic Tax Relief. Podría ahorrar miles y le perdonan sus impuestos. La línea directa especial para ayuda con los impuestos de Civic Tax Relief puede ayudarle a descubrir todos los programas de ayuda. Usted califica gratis. Solo tiene que llamar al 800-583-1931. 800-583-1931. 800-583-1931. 
0800-583-1931. No espere, la consulta es gratis, la información es gratis. Esta llamada podría ahorrarle miles. Llame ahora al 800-583-1931. 800-583-1931. If you owe the IRS back taxes, payroll taxes, or have not filed your returns, the IRS will get you. Call Wallen Associates now and pay less than you owe. 800-727-0433. That's 800-727-0433. See something? Smell something? Do something. When your basement or crawl space smells, don't ignore it. Odors, mold, and harmful pollutants come from too much moisture and not enough air circulation making your home unhealthy. Do something. Call Wave Home Solutions today at 1-888-980-WAVE or go to goodairusa.com. Experts recommend ventilation instead of dehumidifiers to reduce moisture and expel harmful gases and pollutants. Wave moisture control units continuously dry out your home, transforming it into a fresher, healthier environment year-round. Wave units cost only pennies a day to operate, and there are no buckets too empty. Call WAVE today at 1-888-980-WAVE or go to goodairusa.com. That's goodairusa.com or call 1-888-980-WAVE. WAVE Home Solutions for a healthy, comfortable home. Hailstorm Thursday on the B-List Daily right here on Sports Time 780 and live online at SportsTimeMain.com. Aaron Morris filling in for Maddie B on this Thursday morning here for another hour. We'll have Dan Feldman on in just a few minutes. He'll be calling in to uh, talk some pro basketball. He's from Pro Basketball Talk. Talk some NBA All right now in the Eastern Conference, Toronto has the best record at 56-22, and 22, although Coach Dave Wing is convinced that Toronto will fold in the playoffs <laughs> like they always do, but we shall see. Uh, Boston 53-25, and 25, three games back in the East. Cleveland 48-38 and 38 games back, obviously will be a threat in the postseason because of Mr. LeBron James. Philadelphia on fire, they've won 12 in a row. They are 48-30, and 30. they are also eight games back. In the East, Indiana at forty-six and thirty-two, Miami at forty-three and thirty-six, Washington having a good year at forty-two and thirty-six, and Milwaukee led by the Greek Freak, forty-two and thirty-six as well. Uh, in line for the playoffs. In fact, those eight teams have all clinched playoff bids, so we know who the playoff teams are in the East, and it's those eight teams. In the West, it's Houston running away right now at sixty-three and fifteen. They've clinched the top seed. Golden State, 57-21, obviously always a threat. They've won three in a row. You've Portland, 48-30, and 30, quite a ways back, but they're number three seed at the moment. They've clinched a playoff bid, and after that, it's wide open. The West is still up for grabs. Utah's the fourth seed right now, but they're only two games ahead of the team that's out at the moment, which is Denver. So even though there's only a few games remaining in the NBA, less than a week remaining, it's up for grabs there in the West. Utah at 45-33. and 33. Um, San Antonio at 45 and 34, Oklahoma City at 45 and 34, Minnesota at 44 and 34, and New Orleans also 44 and 34. Meanwhile, right now, Denver 43 and 35, one game out of the final playoff bid. LA Clippers also still in it. They're 42 and 36 and two games out of the final playoff spot. So those two teams still have a shot, even though they're not in at the moment. So it'll certainly be interesting. Only three teams have clinched a spot in the West. Meanwhile, the East is completely set. So, again, 
Dan Feldman is scheduled to call in in just a couple minutes to talk a little bit more NBA. But obviously, um, Coach, are you a are you a Celtics guy? I know you're a Yankee fan for baseball, but what are your thoughts on the NBA? Celtics are the only Boston team that I'm <laughs> I'm behind. Okay, and uh, I it stems from uh, the Kuzi, Heinsohn, Russell, Halicek days. Yeah. As you call. Go yeah, ahead, there he is. It. I'm going to get him on right now. Give All him right. one second. But, uh, this is there. They've gone through a lot of different uh, different players since those days. But uh, right now live, so. right now they have uh, quite a few injuries that are uh, yes, no hindering them. Hopefully they'll be uh, they'll be all healed up by the time uh, playoffs come along. That uh, yeah, I got that is something you can never count on, or never figure in as injuries. It's just uh, uh, luck of the draw as far as that's concerned. Keep your fingers crossed, and it doesn't happen at the wrong time. Talking about injuries right now. Oh, are you? <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to talk some NBA. Dan Feldman on the line with us from Pro Basketball Talk. Follow him on Twitter at Dan Feldman NBA. Dan, how's it going over there? Good. How are you? Good, good. You're on at Sports Time Maine. My name's Aaron Morris. I'm filling in for our normal host, Maddie B, on the B-List Daily. We got Coach Mike Haley in studio as well. And so we were just going over the NBA standings, how the East is, in terms of the playoff teams, uh, is is set. All eight teams have clinched, but the West is still wide open with just a few games remaining. What are your take right now on the Western Conference and the Denver and L.A. Clippers possibly having a chance to sneak into the playoffs here as we go down the stretch? Uh, this is just such a fun finish. So many stacked teams. This is only the second time in NBA history that a single conference has had 10 teams with a winning record. For, for the West to clinch that already is incredible. I kind of find myself, uh, at least so far, rooting for the Nuggets and Clippers to win. Just so we keep having these competitive high-stakes games down the stretch. It's like a pre-playoff. I don't really know what's going to happen. I, it's hard to bet on the Nuggets and Clippers because they are behind and not a lot of time left. Uh, but they're doing enough to stay in this race and putting a lot of pressure on the teams that are currently in position. Yeah, so that should be very interesting there in the West. Obviously here, this is Boston Celtics territory. Celtics three games back of Toronto there in the East in the second seed uh, pretty comfortably, even though they have lost uh, two straight games here. What are your thoughts on Boston's chances in the postseason? There are a lot of people here in our area that thinks Toronto is going to choke in the postseason again. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> Well, it's all going to depend on Kyrie Irving. The Celtics are two different teams with him and without him. With him, uh, you know, they could go deep in the playoffs, maybe even win the East with the right breaks. Without him, they're very susceptible to a, a first-round loss. It's, it's more of a the profile of a low-level playoff team, a team that plays hard, plays well together, but doesn't necessarily have the talent to get over the hump when it counts. And then what are your thoughts on that uh, Toronto take that a lot of people have up here? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the Raptors, I mean, they've choked. I don't know. I don't like to say choke. No. You never no. know what's happening. There's an implication with choke. Right. But they've underwhelmed, let's say. They haven't lived up to expectations in the playoffs year after year after year. They've changed a lot of things that make them look like they're going to be able to handle it better. They're playing with a different offensive style, more passing, more ball movement, more player movement. Uh, things that should help in the playoffs. Their bench has been so good, and, and you could take that either way in the playoffs. On one hand, rotations shrink, so those bench players will be going against more 
uh, opposing starters on other teams. That might ruin some of their matchup advantage. On the other hand, the bench playing so well throughout the regular season has Toronto stars like Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, more rested. Maybe that'll help those guys in the playoffs. So I do believe in the Raptors, but I have to offer the caveat that I've believed in them in previous years. <laughs> I've liked how they've played. I've liked what they've done, and they've always let me down in the playoffs. Well, and the other team that stands out to me, just looking at the standings here, the 76ers have won 12 games in a row. Trust the process. They're in the fourth seed right now. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the 76ers and if they could make a splash in the playoffs? Well, much like the Celtics, it's going to depend on health. Uh, with right. Philadelphia, it's Joel Embiid when he can be back. You know, he is so important to to their team. The 76ers have been real hot lately, but their schedule has been so easy. It was easy uh-huh. to see this coming for them. But that can snowball. Even if even if it's just wins against lower teams, teams that they would have beaten, no matter the order of the games, that can build confidence. And so all these guys are, are feeling good about themselves, feeling like they can win without Joel Embiid, which until recently wasn't the case. This team was a mess whenever Embiid sat, whenever he missed a game. This is a large reason they didn't make the playoffs last year and have had downs at brief points this year. But now everything is rolling for them. Ben Simmons, it looks like a future star is really coming into his own, comfortable with his game. Their starting lineup when everybody is healthy is really, really good. And they're finding other ways to win now, too. They could be dangerous. What about Cleveland and uh, the shakeup that they've had in their lineup? How... uh... How good or how bad are they going to be? Yeah, they're always going to be there as long as LeBron is there. I wasn't a huge believer in their deadline day trades. I think it was a lot of moving pieces around and uh, didn't didn't fix their defense. That's going to be the major concern for the Cavs is their defense. Uh, but but more than anything else, I think those deadline day trades brought a new attitude, uh, cleared the air in the locker room, had everybody in Cleveland feeling better about themselves, and that can go a long way. When you have LeBron James, everything goes further. All right, so if you had to pick it right now, give me your favorite to emerge from the West and your favorite to emerge from the East for a clash in the finals, you think, at this moment. Well, I can't pick against the Warriors. I know they've okay. been in a little bit of rut. They have the injury issues. Steph Curry probably won't play in the first round. Uh, but they are so good, and I expect them to, to be whoever they play in the first round, stick around long enough for Curry to get healthy. How can you pick against a team with Curry, Durant, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala? Like, there's a reason we went into the season all assuming the Warriors would win. Uh, it's hard to pick against them now. I wouldn't be shocked if they lose. I don't even know if I'd be surprised if they lose. But I absolutely cannot pick another team. In the East, it's a lot tougher. But I think I'm still riding with LeBron. He has a way okay. of dialing it up in the playoffs every single year. I thought he looked vulnerable last year. He didn't at all. Cruise right through the <laughs> East. I think the Cavs are going to do it again. Gotcha. Well, I know you're on to talk NBA, but I noticed you're a Michigan alum. How about the run the Wolverines had there in the postseason? <laughs> Oh, it was uh, it was fantastic. It was great to see a well-coached team by John Beeline. Mo Wagner really stepped into his own at times in the NCAA tournament. I mean, I can't give enough credit to that team's defense. What a what an amazing defense with a bunch of ragtag guys you wouldn't look at as this is going to be an elite defensive team. Yeah, I'm curious. Do you see any NBA guys on that roster? <laughs> Uh, Mo Wagner yeah. is a big guy who can shoot. That's the rough profile of a successful NBA player. So, <laughs> yep, right, so I would yep. love to take a chance on him in the second round. 
Nice, nice. Uh, don't forget, you can follow Dan Feldman on Twitter at Dan Feldman NBA. And I'm curious, you know, pro basketball talk. Uh, well, I'm curious in terms of your background a little bit. How'd you get into that uh, over there at NBC Sports? Uh, well, back when I was at Michigan, I was writing for the student paper. Got into to writing about basketball, writing about the Pistons, and one thing led to another, and here we are. <laughs> nice, nice. Any other thoughts on the NBA season? What's been maybe your favorite? Part of it so far, maybe your favorite team to watch this year, who maybe, maybe not like a headliner like Golden State or Houston, but maybe the team that's middle of the pack that is just fun to watch. You think? I really liked how the Timberwolves played when Jimmy Butler was, was healthy. Mm. It wasn't always pretty, but this was a team trying to figure out trying to figure out what they could do, and Butler in some ways single handedly willing them to to a higher level. So it's so fun to watch him try try and do that with a team that had a lot of bad habits, including defensively. I hope he gets back in, in time to make a difference this year, whether that's in the playoffs if they make it, or maybe one of those meaningful last games in that tight playoff race. Uh, it, whether or not they do, you know, he's right on the verge of coming back. Yeah, Minnesota right now, 44-34 and 34 in the seventh spot, but only one game from being out. So certainly an uh, exciting finish for the Western Conference. Luckily for us up in New England, the Celtics are in good shape there in the two spot in the East. Dan Feldman, thanks so much for joining us here on the B-List Daily. I know you got to run, but appreciate your time and your insight. Thanks for having me. All right, that was Dan Feldman again here from NBC Sports Pro Basketball Talk, talking some NBA. That's with, a great. That's a great uh, story about how he got started. Yeah, just writing Never know. student paper and Never then know. it goes from there and everything. I don't, you don't think you're expecting me to reading. ask that question, but <laughs> you don't know who's reading, right? Or you don't know who's listening, for sure. You know. Now he's get to cover all the NBA teams. I know, teams. lucky him. <laughs> They're up for pro basketball talk. Aaron Morse, Coach Mike Haley with you here in studio. Uh, thanks again to our guests today, Seth Everett and Dan Feldman, for calling in, giving some insight into MLB and the NBA. And obviously, you know, I am from Seattle, so my team got stolen and moved to Oklahoma City. So <laughs> I'll be full disclosure, I don't watch a t- ton of the NBA anymore, but I uh, certainly appreciate some of the uh, terrific talent there, especially, you know, like the LeBron Jameses of the world and uh, Kyrie Irving here in Boston. And I would love to see a Boston-Cleveland playoff series. That would be good. Uh, Kyrie against his old team yeah. if he's healthy and everything. So yeah. we'll see. <laughs> I know, Coach, you've loaded up on trivia, though, so I want to get some more okay. stuff from you here. Tito Francona, the original. Okay, who just passed away. Who did he play for? Didn't he, didn't he play for Cleveland? Or am I crazy? He certainly did. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. And how, you know how old he was? He just died, you're right. Uh, when he died, how old? Yeah. Ooh, he must be in his mid-80s. 84. 84, okay, yep. Yep. Okay. In 1959, what was his batting average? Take a wild stab. 300. <laughs> 300, above, it was above, above 300. 300. Okay. Uh, I bet he hit like 325. 363. 363, wow. Uh, the original. Left-handed, lefty-lefty. Mm-hmm. How many seasons did he play? Have you any idea? Well, with a stats like that, maybe he played 12. 15. 15, okay. All right. And he was a platoon player. He didn't. He played first most of the time, uh-huh. but he uh, he also he also platooned him in the outfield. That remember that was back in the days when they didn't have DH and all that stuff. Right. So yeah, you know they get their best hitters in the game somehow. Somehow, some way, get him uh, in there. In 1960, he led the league in what? 
fielding percentage. <laughs> no, I don't know. Doubles. Uh, doubles, okay, yeah. <laughs> and he was an all-star and uh, batted three oh four in 1961. Nice. With Mantle and Maris. With them? No. Oh, all-star. Uh, yeah. In yeah. the same same year. Gotcha. Yeah, I see that. Played played uh, full, uh, halfback in high school. So he's quite an athlete. I bet, yeah. Yeah. And now, who who manages the Indians? Terry Francona. Hey. Yeah. His nickname is Tito, too. Right, right. They yep. call him Tito, yeah. <laughs> yep. And uh, Tito ran Francona, the, the Ridge, was named John Patsy Francona. Wow. <laughs> okay. Sports Illustrated just picked the 10 top baseball players, in their opinion, in the Major League Baseball. Right now? Yeah. Who are they? The top 10 players right now in Major League Baseball. <sighs> These are position players or pitchers, right? Yeah. I imagine. So Mike Trout. Yeah. Um, Clayton Kershaw. Uh, Max Scherzer. Um, I don't think you know. Good so far. Yeah, okay. Um, Giancarlo, no, probably not, actually. Probably not. Houston. Oh, 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 Jose Altuve. Yep. Do they have Carlos Correa in there also? Who? Carlos Correa. Is he on the list? Uh, no, let me Altuve. see. Altuve. Um, no. No, I didn't think so. Um, not quite, at least. How about... Somebody from the Rockies. Oh, oh, Arenado. Yep. Nolan Arenado. You somebody got five there. Somebody from Arizona. Oh, uh, Paul Goldschmidt. Yep. Six. Now you got... Um, no, another guy. Who'd you say? The other guy from the Astros I thought was? it might be Carlos Correa. No. No. Law. Oh, Francisco Lindor from the yep. Indians? Okay. Yep. That's interesting. Okay. I'd put Correa One player from the Red Sox. Well, it's got to be um, either Chris Sale or David Price. No. Everyday player. Oh, really? Top 10 in baseball for the Red Sox? Mookie oh. Betts. Yep. Yeah, he's good. Mookie Betts yeah, is right. Betts, top 10. All right. How about somebody from the Red Sox? The Reds. Oh, Joey Votto. Okay. No question. I would have I would have not yeah. remembered you that. You got them all. That's That's, I've had nine. Is there yeah. one miss, or I only counted nine on my hands. No, ten. Okay. Uh, so, let me see here. I had another good one for you. Oh, in in two thousand. Uh huh. What did the uh, the Shack do? The Shack, Shaquille O'Neal. He, he was playing for in two thousand. Oh, the Lakers. Yeah. What did he do? Well, he won the NBA title. I'm sure. Uh, how many points did you get in one game? Oh, he, Shaq. He probably scored like forty, fifty. 61 points. Six, Shaq had 61 in one game? 23 rebounds. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 123, 103 over the Clippers. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, what was the, when they put the shot clock in. Yeah. And doubles and NCAA. Uh-huh. What was the lowest score after they put that in? Probably something like. 38 to 36. <laughs> Very close, Aaron. Okay. 35, 33. Okay. All right. <laughs> you don't, don't, wouldn't know who played in that game. Ooh. No, I would not know. Um, were they 
Good George teams? Mason. George Mason. Okay. Over North Carolina, Wilmington. Okay, I was going to say. All right. Yeah, that's, Wilmington. That, that's, not the North Carolina. No, not there. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> not the one in Chapel Hill. <laughs> Who's Jersey Joe Walcott? He was the referee. Wasn't he the referee of Ali Liston here yeah. in Lewiston? Yeah. Yeah. But before that. He was like, he was some sort of celebrity. I'm trying some to... sort. What did, what did he do? He was a heavyweight champ. Oh, okay. He was a boxer. Yeah. <laughs> who, who beat him? Who beat Jersey Joe? Uh, Joe Lewis? After. After Joe Lewis. Um, Fought Joe Lewis. He did? Okay. I don't know. Who beat him? Ezard. Ezard. Ezard Charles. I don't know who that is. Oh, yeah. That, I don't know all the heavyweights. That I, know, was a big, I know a few of them. That was a big name back in those days. Okay. Okay, now. Here's some, here's some good stuff for you, because right. <laughs> you know most of this. All right. Who's the first player to score 3,000 points in the NBA in a season? Kareem? No, Wilt. Yeah, Wilt, okay. Yeah. 3,016 points in 1961. Makes sense. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Who's Dick Marta? Dick who? Marta. I don't know who that M-O-T-T-A. is. M-O-T-T-A. You didn't know that name? That's one I thought you'd get. No, who's that? i never heard of him. He's the fourth NBA coach to win 700 games. Who'd he coach? Dallas. Dallas Spurs. Huh. Also coached uh, Chicago, I think, and a couple of other teams. No, I don't know him. Yeah, I thought you'd know that one. No. You've got to know this one. All right. <laughs> who's the first coach uh-huh. to take four different... Larry Brown. No. Almost. <laughs> Fourth different schools to the NCAA tourney. Oh, okay. Um, four different schools. Um, let me think here. The first coach to do it, uh, he couldn't be like... You know. You know this when I say it. Okay, okay, okay. Hold on. <laughs> give I'm me not, a second. I'm, I'm going to let you go. Give me a second here. Um, I'll give you some of the schools. So he can't be... Okay. Creighton. No. That doesn't help me. Arkansas. Nolan Richardson? No. Nope. Mike. Uh, Kentucky. Creighton, Arkansas, and Kentucky. Oof. Oklahoma State. In basketball? I don't know. Eddie, Eddie Sutton. 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 Eddie yeah. Sutton. All right, all right. I Eddie told Sutton. you to know it. Oklahoma State. Yeah, I, I told you to know it. Oklahoma State. Yeah, I didn't know he was. 1981 was when he took them to uh, the tournament. I didn't know he was in others. I I know him as Oklahoma State coach. I didn't know him as the other ones. Oh, yeah. yeah. I knew him at Kentucky. Okay. Yeah. Um, who was the second? So, I can't read my own writing again. <laughs> Jeez, I'm gross. Oh, I do. Yeah. Oh, no, this is a hockey one. You, you, uh, you well. might know it. Second NHL coach to win 700 games. Coach for the Islanders, 1992. When they were good. I remember yeah. that. There's a 30 for 30 about the Al. Islanders. <laughs> I don't know. Abba. I don't know who that is. Al Abba. <laughs> I remember the Islanders were once good, and they weren't. Okay, now, <laughs> listen. You have got to know this one. Okay. In 2002, uh-huh. this player. Yep. Had 15,000 career assists. John Stockton? Yeah! <laughs> I knew you'd have that one. Okay. 
because uh, yeah. I followed the NBA at that time. Yeah, oh before boy. my team got was, stolen. Yeah, you follow that guy anyway. Yeah. Oh boy. He went to Gonzaga before they were like yeah. known as being good. <laughs> okay, this year there were two main teams in the men's Division Three national tournament ice hockey. Oh, Colby College was the runner-up. And? I mean, did did Bowden make it? Who did they beat? Who did Colby beat to get there? To move on? They beat a main team? UNE. Oh, UNE. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. UNE. Yep, yep. Okay. Who's the last seed to beat uh, a two-seed team? Oh, last 15 seed? Uh, the most recent one would have been um, Dunk City, right? Florida Gulf Coast? or Before that, who who did it? And uh, let me see. It would have been... Well, Lehigh beat Duke one year. Um, Mercer beat... So no, another, Mercer. Team, another team beat Duke, too. It was the last seed. Well, Lehigh did 15 seed. Mercer beat them one year, but they weren't 15, I don't think. St. John's. Saint, as a 15 seed? As a last seed, yeah, last seed team. Oh. Hmm. And another, an Ivy League team beat a number one seed. In women's basketball, Harvard beat Stanford in the NCAA as a 16. This team beat North Carolina. Not as a 16, Mint. though. Mint. The only 16 seed was this year. Penn. Well, Penn... What did Penn do? Penn did pull off an upset, but it wasn't 16 1. Seventy. It was, it was the last. It was a. It might have been that before the tournament expanded. Yeah. 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 Okay. The last seed. Yeah. 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 Seven, 72 71. Okay. Yeah. That, that was, was before squeaker. the tournament expanded to 64. That was a squeaker. No, oh. yeah. Penn, uh, yeah, they were, uh, they've had some good years. Okay. 1971. Mm hmm. What happened to Ali? Was that when he would have won his case about Vietnam? He was reinstated? No. Nope. No. Um, did he lose to somebody? Yep. <laughs> Leon Spinks? Nope. Uh, Smoking. Oh, he lost to Joe Frazier. Smoking oh, okay. Joe Frazier. All right. Unanimous decision, 15 rounder. Wow. In, ni- in 2004, what happened for the first time in their history, Air Force, the first time in 48 years, what happened to Air Force? The Air Force football team, basketball? Basketball. They make a tournament? Instellar tournament? Or they... More than that, won, though. Won their conference? They were in the top what? Oh, top 25. They're ranked in the top 25. Okay. Yeah. They, well. had, they had a season of 22 and 5. Nice. That's uh, pretty respectable, no matter... Yeah. No matter what league you're playing in. <laughs> well, that's done me in. That's all you got? Well, <laughs> well, I got a few more, but they're, okay. they're hockey. They're, they're hockey. You okay. wouldn't like those. Well, but. we'll take a break. We'll be back with our final <laughs> segment here on the B-List Daily. This is Sports Time 780 live around the world. SportsTimeMaine.com. There's a winning culture when it comes to sports teams in New England. And now there's a new winning team to add to the list. 
Spectrum Orthopedics, an all-star roster of orthopedic experts delivering top care right here in your backyard. Spectrum Orthopedics is made up of three of the area's top orthopedic practices. OA Centers for Orthopedics, Central Maine Orthopedics, and Falmouth Orthopedic Center. Spectrum Orthopedics makes it easier for physicians, surgeons, sports medicine specialists, and clinical staff to share resources and work as one, making patient care efficient and more affordable. To learn more about Spectrum Orthopedics and connect with a provider in your area, visit SpectrumHCP.com forward slash ortho. We believe in better. A better way to invest, a better way to serve you, and a better result. At Frisbee & Associates, we can help you determine how much risk you're taking, red flags that could be potential problems for you, how much you're paying in fees and commissions, potential tax liability, and how to address Social Security. For your free consultation, call Kevin Frisbee at 241-7430. Frisbee & Associates is located in Rumford, Brewer, and in Lewiston at 656 Main Street. Call 241-7430 online at frisbeebenefits.com. All aboard MBR.org. The place to get all your high school and amateur sports news and information. MBR.org is in high gear with Maine High School Winter Sports. Go to MBR.org to chat about your favorite team. Find the latest articles, travel news, and cancellations. Or visit their all new and very popular team pages. MBR.org has everything you want to know about high school and amateur sports in Maine. Coming in February, all the high school tournament action at your fingertips 24-7. It's high school sports heaven. All aboard MBR.org. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Paraswabs risk-free, call 1-800-679-0969. That's 1-800-679-0969. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 1-800-679-0969. That's 1-800-679-0969. El IRS ha contratado agencias privadas para comenzar a cobrar impuestos pendientes. Ya pueden embargar su salario e imponer gravámenes a su propiedad. Si se está ahogando en deudas de impuestos, prepárese para una línea directa de ayuda. Civic Tax puede protegerlo de las agencias de cobro del IRS. Detenga las tarifas adicionales y embargos salariales. Libérese del IRS. Llame ahora a Civic Tax Relief para obtener información gratis. Usted podría calificar para el programa Fresh Start, que ahora está disponible a través de Civic Tax Tax Relief. Podría ahorrar miles si le perdonan sus impuestos. La línea directa especial para ayuda con los impuestos de Civic Tax Relief puede ayudarle a descubrir todos los programas de ayuda. Usted califica gratis. Solo tiene que llamar al 800-583-1931. 800-583-1931. No espere. La consulta es gratis. La información es gratis. Esta llamada podría ahorrarle miles. Llame ahora al 800-583-1931. 800-583-1931. 
you owe the IRS back taxes, payroll taxes, or have not filed your returns, the IRS will get you. Call Wallen Associates now and pay less than you owe. 800-727-0433. That's 800-727-0433. See something? Smell something? Do something. When your basement or crawl space smells, don't ignore it. Odors, mold, and harmful pollutants come from too much moisture and not enough air circulation making your home unhealthy. Do something. Call Wave Home Solutions today at 1-888-980-WAVE or go to goodairusa.com. Experts recommend ventilation instead of dehumidifiers to reduce moisture and expel harmful gases and pollutants. Wave moisture control units continuously dry out your home transforming it into a fresher, healthier environment year-round. Wave units cost only pennies a day to operate, and there are no buckets too empty. Call Wave today at 1-888-980-WAVE or go to goodairusa.com. That's goodairusa.com or call 1-888-980-WAVE. Wave Home Solutions for a healthy, comfortable home. It's a hailstorm Thursday here on Sports Time 780 live online, sportstimemain.com. Coach Mike Haley in studio with us. My name is Aaron Morse, filling in for Maddie B here on this Thursday. Hopefully, Maddie, feeling a little under the weather, we'll be back in here you're all right, tomorrow you're morning. Uh, he didn't want to spread his germs, so he stayed yeah. home uh, for today. Yeah, but we're, we've been talking some Major League Baseball, some NBA. We've, of course, have a trivia hour as well, but. Um, you recently, um, along with uh, Coach Skip Capone over there at Bates College, uh, ran the annual Coaches Clinic uh, for the Maine Football Coaches Association. And so what's that experience like every year? What do you guys get out of it? Uh, what's the main goal of it? Well, like that every year, is uh, it's a fun time uh, for me and for the coaches to get together from all over the state, to get together, rub elbows, exchange ideas, uh, have a little uh, libation, and uh, just generally uh, have some fellowship. Uh, we had guys from Presque to uh, to Berwick attending the, the clinic. We had a hundred, about 180 coaches. Uh, we have, in the past four or five years, really pushed to have as many youth coaches mm. as we can get there because, after all, that's where our next generation of coaches, or many of them, will be coming from. Uh, we had uh, uh, college speakers from every college in Maine. Uh, we had several high school coaches uh, that had had good years uh, this past year. Uh, we give a uh, coach uh, coach of the year award in each class. Oh, nice! Uh, the the classes were Class A, Lance Johnson from Scarborough. Mm-hmm. Uh, class B, Alex Rotsko from Ashwood. Happened to be all the people that won the titles. <laughs> yeah, this year. how to be the state champs, right? Some years it isn't though. Right. Tom Bertrand from uh, MCI mm-hmm. and uh, Timmy Roach from uh, Wells. Right. Uh, 
Boy, Wells, what a oh. program they have going. And and uh, but think about MCI now. The last, yeah. They've been in the state of three out of the last four years. And they've gone from Class D champions last year Class to Class C this year. Right. And Wells went the opposite. Yeah. Wells went from C the year before and D this year. And they both They'd win the wherever they were. Though. Right. They are. They are. Uh, Timmy's done a great job there. I want to see MCI play Wells. Oh, How yeah. How can we make this happen? Really? I want to see this that happen. Would be, yeah. That would be a really good tilt. Yeah. Because, and there's two different two different teams, types of offense playing. Wells is a – everyone knows they run wing T. Right. Go ahead. Try to stop us. Yeah. We're coming right here. Right. Okay? And uh, MCI is a, a lot more wide open. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but our, the overall, the clinic was – was uh, well received and uh, uh, good attendance, and we're pleased that we could have it. How many years have you been doing it? Oh boy, <laughs> this is my twenty twenty sixth year as the main as the executive secretary, mm-hmm. and I was the clinic uh, chairman for maybe five or six, five years before that. So uh, thirty plus years, yeah. As a camp, was did you did you kind of help start it, or did they do the clinic before then even? Well, we had a guy named John Schmidland, mm-hmm. who was a longtime executive secretary for the Maine High School Coaches Association, uh-huh. because back in those days, all of the sports were under one cover of the Maine High School Coaches. Mm-hmm. And they'd have separate clinics. Uh, under that cover, mm-hmm. but then we began to break up into probably because John died or stepped away. Uh-huh. Uh, then we began to have separate clinic in football, in basketball. Baseball has their own. Yeah, baseball, softball. So, but uh, uh, John was John was uh, probably the forerunner of that, and he started that probably in nineteen. 19- Oh, uh, late fifties, probably. Gotcha. Wow. Okay, yeah. so we're going on for quite we're a bit, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's been talk recently. Um, I don't. I don't know. I don't know whether where it's at about possibly doing eight man football, maybe for some of the schools that have you know smaller enrollments. Obviously, enrollment's been an issue for a lot of schools. What are your thoughts on the potential of eight man football uh, coming to Maine here? Well, you know, the, this is when you when you say eight man football. Yeah. You, it's linked to the new class E. That we have, uh-huh. and so if you say Class E, you think a man, a man Class E. Yeah, uh, a, a lot of it that they play eight man football in the county, the Rooster County, uh-huh. Caribou, uh, Presque Isle, Madawaska, uh, Holton did. They moved to cla- the uh, EMPA eleven uh, man mm-hmm. a few years ago, but it's so it's played up there, and. As you know, it's played in many pockets in many states of the United States that you wouldn't think eight-man football would be would be prevalent. Oklahoma's a big eight-man football team. Mm. Uh, Texas is. California does. Uh, then you go to uh, Iowa, Nebraska. Nebraska? You kidding me? Eight-man <laughs> football? But, hey, it gives the small schools an opportunity to have their kids be able to play football. Mm-hmm. And that's a 
And that's a great experience. I don't care whether it's 8-man, 11-man, or what it is. If you can be involved in football and, and, and have that you, you have enjoyed a big slice of life. Yeah. You really have. And you'll get that in no other sport. I mean, I played four sports in high school, two in college, and football is, is definitely different than any of the other sports. And uh, you get something out of every sport, obviously. But uh, uh, to, allow, to allow kids to be involved in eight-man, and I think some of the class E schools might start looking at that. Yeah. And it's, it, we've talked about this before, Aaron. Football, of all sports, because of the numbers that are required, it's, it's really important uh, that you realize that it's cyclic. It's a dickens. You know, one year you'll have 35 kids on your team. Next year you may have 25. Right. Or 20. Uh, now you're getting down to the range where you should be looking at maybe eight men because it's not going to be as tough on you. It's not going to be as many injuries, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So uh, it's on the horizon. The MPA is talking about it uh, seriously, and uh, the coaches are beginning to uh, talk about it too. One of the drawbacks in going to an eight-man is to get traditionally good or strong football programs, by tradition I mean through the years, right? to consider eight-man because they think they're they think they're uh, admitting that they're not as good as they used to be. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, it's about the kids. It's not about the guy that played 50 years ago. <laughs> right. Okay, even though you need those people around to support and all that, but it's it's for the kids. You want to give them an opportunity, and here's an opportunity to do that. Here's a chance to do it. Interesting. So the teams that played up in the county, that's not part of the MPA. Then. No, they are not part of the MPA. Gotcha. If they introduced eight-man football to the MPA, would those teams then maybe be yep. part of it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Now, talk about travel. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You've been to Prescott lately? I have not been to Prescott. I'll, I'll tell you I'm, what. Uh, You've been to Madawaska lately? <laughs> Jeez, I'm crawling. The farthest north I've been, and it's not that far north, is um, is Lee. Yeah, well, that's in Lincoln. Yeah. yeah. So not uh, I've not been to the county yet at all. Yeah. I've not been to Arista County. Well, if yeah. you... I talked with somebody yesterday that's from Fort Kent, mm-hmm. five and a half hours from here. Yeah. Okay? That's... <laughs> no joke. That's maybe an overnight for you, someplace along the way, uh, because that's five and a half hours, two hours playing football, three hours, got to eat right. once or twice along the way. You're not back till the next yeah, morning. no kidding. So <laughs> may want to stay overnight somewhere, but, but that's a, a bridge to be crossed later on. Yeah, yeah, that would be very interesting. Yeah, to see. it will be. It'll be <laughs> interesting to see how it's developed. You know, like we have uh, a team at Washington Academy. Mm-hmm. Now it's in East Machias. That is truly down east, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a long trip. That's a, that's the farthest trip we have now. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Holton Holton is about the same too. I'd say that's about three hours. So I'm not sure on the details of eight man. Do you, what positions get eliminated, or it's just you take uh, two out of the line, uh huh, one back, okay, and that's it. Gotcha. Yeah, and so, you can have. I've talked with the guys that 
the guys that play it, yeah. and they say it's a wide open game. I bet, and yeah. <laughs> and that uh, you know everything everything is goes motion shifting, uh, you know, uh, uh, unbalanced, uh, whatever, whatever, however you want right. to do your formations, two wide outs, four wide outs. As long as there's eight guys out there. Yeah, as long as there's eight guys. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't mind watching an eight-man football game. No, it's an interesting game. After after watching it for a while, I've watched it on film, Mm -hmm. and after watching it, you you say to yourself two things. One, geez, this isn't much different than 11-man. Yeah. And, geez, this is wide open. Yeah. This is fun. It's fun to watch. A lot of it. points get scored, I imagine. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> see some... Get in the seventies and eighties. Oh yeah. <laughs> Pretty yeah. hard on defenses, I imagine. Well, but... it is. It's tough because. Are you allowed to blitz? You must be. Are you... Yep. Yeah. You oh can yeah, blitz. you can go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Not as many. But blockers, don't forget, but... you're gonna lose a defender or sure. two if you do that. Yeah. <laughs> so a pass defender. So you you give up one thing you. To, to get another, you know. So do you think this is imminent for, like, next year, or do you think it's no, years down the road? No, I don't think it's road? next year, but okay. yeah. I think it's on the near horizon, though. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, I'm curious, a totally different topic, but, you know, I know how you and Maddie are both Yankee fans, and I don't I don't understand. Like, this, we're in Maine. Like, well, how are you guys? <laughs> you guys grew, I mean, I don't, I don't think Maddie's from here originally, but you are, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So how, how, how did you, growing up in Maine, decide to root for the Yankees instead of the Red Sox? When I was a kid, uh, probably nine years old, I was old enough to read and understand the box score. Yeah. And it was, I grew up in a time when, when uh, Mantle, Maris, uh, Whitey Ford, mm-hmm. Billy Martin, I, you know, these were famous names back then. Sure, famous and, now even, I think. And uh, they were the top team then. They there wasn't even a rivalry between them and the Red Sox. Right. <laughs> I mean, the Red Sox had Ted Williams and, and Drop Your Voice, you know. And uh, I just liked them. I, I uh, I got pictures of them. I collected pictures. I read everything I could about it. I don't know. I just I just did. And and I was fortunate enough to live right beside two brothers, my friends, teammates, mm-hmm. whose father was a Yankee fan. Okay. Okay. So that helped. took us to Boston probably. Oh, when the Yankees came to town. Oh, yeah. Three, yeah. four times a, a year we'd ride down. I saw Mantle. And uh, Williams hit home runs in the same game. Nice. Oh, yeah. And we were sitting behind the plate. Oh, yeah. Because you could walk in practically. Yeah, back then it was affordable. You could go into the box office. You didn't have to go to the ticket table. You go to the box office and say, look at the chat on the uh, wall. I'd like a seat in section A, uh, a seat 10, uh, row 10. And you'd get it. Yeah. I mean, it was that was how easy it was to get a, a ticket then, and between those two things, I I uh, I've always been a Yankee fan. I guess that makes sense because like during the entire 1950s and uh, the Red Sox were pretty bad. Yeah, and, they were. Yeah, and the Yankees were oh, tremendous. Yeah. So uh, although I knew a lot of the Red Sox players because. That's the only thing we could get on the radio up in this neck of the woods. Mm, that's true. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, I knew. Walt Dropo, Sammy White, Marty McDermott, Dom DiMaggio, Jackie Jensen, 
So I could I could name those guys as well as I could the Yanks. Right. But they all stunk. Yeah. <laughs> they were very good. <laughs> I, I, and I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pr- pretty sure like most of New England really you know became Red Sox nation, quote unquote. When the possible dream oh, season yeah. happened, right? That's oh, kind yeah. of turned the tide. That's when it started. Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, that's when all the closet Red Sox fans came out of the closet <laughs> right. and, and joined and joined the rest of the nation. The nation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny. Like I guess I didn't realize, but Ted Williams for most of his career was on like you know some bad. Teams. Oh, he was. He only got a chance to go that one World oh, Series. Yeah. And plus, yeah. He left, he missed because of the World War II. Yeah. And he missed because of the Korean War. Right. Those are some of his some of his prime years. Yeah. And he still had a fantastic career. I I, I used to coach baseball and uh I I got a a film on Ted Williams batting. Mm-hmm. And it showed him from the front, from from the first base side, third base side, behind him, and then they had a camera exactly over the top of him. Oh, okay. And it showed him batting, and he—it was a perfect, perfect swing. Yeah. Perfect technique. Head never moved. Hands and eyes, feet. Oh boy, it was—he was just a great hitter, great, great hitter. And so you got to see him play in person. You oh, said. Oh yeah, I did. Uh, was he much of a? Was he? The fans. I mean, I know he had a contentious relationship with the media. He and the media didn't get along. Splendid spitter, they called him. Because he used to he used to hit he used to hit home runs and spit at the at the uh, the press box. Oh, I'm sure. As yeah. he came across the plate. <laughs> oh yeah, he was not friends with them. Yeah, no. But the the fans must have loved him. Oh, they loved yeah. him. Yeah, sure. They regardless did. of the relationship yeah. with the media. And of course, Johnny Pesky was his very good pal. Mm-hmm. And if Dave was here, he'd tell you. That Ted Williams had a special friend from Maine. His name was Bud Levitt okay. from Bangor, oh. and he wrote uh, in the newspaper for them. And but he was a great fisherman. And oh yeah, Ted yeah. used to come up Ted and loved fish, to fish with him. Yeah, <laughs> and and Levitt would take him to all of his all of his little secret spots, and they'd always come away with, you know, a big one, a big trout or a big. Uh, whatever they were fishing for. Yeah. And uh, so we used to hear about that uh, through Bud Levitt. And and that was always interesting to hear the stories that he'd tell because it showed a part of Ted Williams that nobody else saw because most of the people thought he was pretty aloof and pretty standoffish. Yeah. But he did have a human side to him. Yeah. yeah. Well, I still remember at the 1999 All-Star Game, Hosted by the Red Sox, where Ted Williams yep. threw out the ceremonial yep. first pitch. He was in a wheelchair Came at that out. point. Yeah, but all the members of the, oh, um, yeah. of the of the of the All Star game all came around, like yeah, said hi to him. It was a big deal, boy. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's taking hands with a legend. Yeah, and it's nice to see that, or it was nice to see that because the players knew their history, like they knew who Ted Williams was. Honestly, I'm not sure current Major League Baseball players, at least the younger guys know who Ted Williams is. They better know one thing. He's the last 400 hitter. He is. Well, I tell you what. He is they, the last they, 400 hitter. They better yeah. know that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what. 406 yeah. in 1941. Yeah. And did not win the MVP because no. Joe no. DiMaggio was DiMaggio more popular than the media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, DiMaggio was in a lot larger uh, 
media center than he was. And people liked, and the media liked oh, him. Oh, yeah, he liked him a lot. Yeah. yeah. And um, I'm trying to remember, 41, um, and that was the year he also had his 56-game hitting streak, Jim Maggi yep. did. So that's quite the year for oh, baseball. <laughs> Imagine that. I would have been liked to have been four oh four and, and uh, what, 100 and, no, how many, 56? 56 straight games. 56 straight games. 406 batting average for yep. Ted. Well, and, the, and then, of course, the famous story is the last game of the year was a doubleheader. And Ted Williams is hitting like three ninety nine point something. It was like, oh, it'll round up. It's like I'm not yeah. rounded. I'm playing. You play, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a lot of guys back in those days would set out games that was that were that could affect their batting average. Mm-hmm. And uh, he didn't. We didn't know. That's what I mean. Stuck his chin out. Yeah. Come on, let's go. And he let's went. Like, he went like four for six or yeah, something. Yeah, I know. Boy, <laughs> he was a player. He he could and wouldn't. Uh, when the heat was on like that, yeah, he was at his best. He yeah. really was. He was. I know he had a home run to win the All Star game one year, yeah. and then he also had a home run in his final at bat, which is pretty awesome. Also, he's so. a decent, uh, decent fielder too. He really, he was. And no one ever talks about that. Oh cause. no, but he <laughs> he uh, he played left field every day, and you play with the left mo- field. With the monster. You play left field in the in Fenway. Yeah, you're gonna be busy. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, you're gonna be busy. <laughs> one of the things you had to do is. Hammer out all the dents in the wall that uh, <laughs> the other teams hit in there. I bet, yeah, especially back then, because there weren't very many uh, good Red Sox pitchers at that time. No, nope. so. <laughs> no, nope. Mel Parnell and Mari McDermott. Those are the that was the one two. Mm-hmm. Everybody had a one two, or what they considered a one two right. punch. Well, the Braves didn't they have Spawn and Sane and then pray, pray for, for rain. rain? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the Yankees that. had Allie Reynolds, sure, and Vic Rashi. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big chief was uh, was Allie Reynolds, and and then of course they added Whitey Ford, Whitey and Ford, yeah, Bob Tilly and and uh, uh, you know Ralph Terry. Whitey Ford is still alive. Oh yeah. That's amazing. Oh, yeah, he like, is. He is old. <laughs> See, he's the last of that group. He is, yeah. See, that group That group was Mantle, Maris, right. Martin, Ford. Those guys always traveled together. And Hank Bauer. Barra. Uh, Bauer. One, one, and and yeah. then Yogi Berra when he could get away from his wife. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, those guys, those four or five guys... That was when they went to the Copacabana and they re- oh, sure. raised hell. They, yeah. they, they probably uh, cut a swath through parts of New York City that are probably just growing up right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, why do you, why do you for the chairman of the board, as they call him, still hanging in there. But, oh, uh, yeah. He was, at, he was at the Hall of Fame ceremony that I went to. They had the Parade of Legends because yeah. I went to when Griffey got inducted. And yeah. Whitey Ford was a part of that parade. That was pretty cool. You went when Griffey was inducted? I did. I can't believe I that, d- I drove to Cooperstown. <laughs> it was great. It was a really That's fun That's a time. great trip. And, went, and next year when Edgar gets elected, Edgar Martinez, oh, I'm going to go to that one uh, in that summer. But That's good. <laughs> we're yeah. out of time here, unfortunately, on the B-List Daily. Love talking baseball history uh, with Coach Mike Haley. Football as well, of course. And then uh, thanks again to our guest today. Day. We had Seth Everett and David Feldman as well talking some Major League Baseball. Aaron, it was good to be here. Nice to see you again. Absolutely. Hopefully, Maddie will get healthy here and uh, be able to take over tomorrow. But I had a great time filling in. Uh, Sign off here on the B List Daily. This is Sports Time 780 and around the world, sportstimemain.com. Get well soon. <laughs>